Magazine to three. Sexton works on Irving, trying to get loose. He'll fire. He knocks it down. Osmond steps into a long-distance jumper. Allen to the bucket. He crushes it home. Off the Garland for three. He knocks it down. Drummond toward Valanciunas. Finds a cutter in a Coro, and a Coro thunders it home. By Kyrie. Sexton got it back. Nance for the tie. He knocks it down. Love hands it off the Sexton feed. Cavaliers by seven. And uh, Cleveland! This is for you! Hey, Chris Manning here from Locked on Cavs, joined as always by my co-host Evan Demerol. But we have a special guest today, Dave Nitali from WKYC. Dave, what's up, man? How are you? How you doing, guys? Good to be a part of the show today. I'm I'm very excited. Uh, we're we're part of the uh, you know to have locked on as a part of our our family now is uh, is a great thing, and uh, I'm pleased to be with you guys talking some Cavs hoops, especially after some victories. I, I, last thing I, I wanted was to be the guy to come in and say, "Oh yeah, we got another Cavs loss to talk about." So uh, it's exciting. Dave, it's funny you mentioned that. I did a quick radio sting with the Philly radio station before this because they played the Sixers on Saturday. And I told the guys going in, I'm like, listen, if Cleveland hadn't won the last two games, I would be plump at the things to talk about because there's not a lot of positivity. But I appreciate the energy and we appreciate you coming on today. Before we dive into what we're going to talk about today, which is going to be Kevin Love, it's going to be Kobe Altman, and it's going to be the Andre Drummond situation's last expectation for the deadline. Cavs have won two in a row, as you alluded to. Anything specific for you pop in those two games that was that was interesting, that was like, okay, this is something that was different than that 10-game losing streak? Anything in particular interests you coming out of those two games? You know, watching Jared Allen um, the other night in the, in the victory against the Hawks. I, I, I was like the Rockets, I'm sorry. Um, I mean, against the Hawks, too, but yes. in the Rocket game, you, you really thought that that – I understand what, what Kobe Altman really saw in him when they went out and made that trade. You know, a guy that uh, really brings so many different dimensions to the five position. Um, you know, terrific rebounder, uh, great athleticism. He's young, uh, energetic. He really, you, you sit there and you go, and, I, and you know, the offseason is a long time away, and we'll see what the Cavs do as far as his status, you know, in the future, but um, I was really impressed um, the way he kind of put the team on the back. And it leads you to believe that, you know, they've got pieces. It's just a question of can the pieces be consistent and gel together night in and night out. And, you know, certainly during the losing skid, we saw there was a whole lot of gelling going on. No, they got kicked in the teeth quite a bit over those 10 games. And I think you're, I think the Jared Allen thing is right. Um, Evan and I think have both come away very impressed. I think I'm – I don't feel like these things are ever set in stone, but I'm pretty close to being like, I feel like he might be the best young player they have right now. He's just been outrageous the last couple of weeks. I think what he's, he's just maybe a little more consistent than Sexton's been. Sexton obviously is going to have the ball in his hands. There's going to be some added value to that, that Jarrett's never just going to provide, but he's been outrageous. And I, I think whatever contract he ends up wanting, whether it's like a Clint Capella contract or something a little lower, I kind of think you just give it to him and you, you don't risk. I, 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 I think at this point, and especially because you did trade for him, like you get to restricted free into with him. I think you just pay him ahead of time, assuming like he's interested in signing whatever you're going to offer him. And he's, you know, interested in sticking around, which I, I don't believe otherwise. Um, I, I think you should just offer him what you feel he's worth at a, the highest you feel he's worth and start from there. And then 
like bring him back. Don't really risk getting through restricted for agency and getting into a situation where like he could go sign with a, a very goofy contract with another team. And then you only have him under team control for two years, just like lock him up and worry about like, just don't worry about it. He's going to be good and worth the money barring like a catastrophic injury. Like I, there's no reason to me why he wouldn't sign him. Yeah. We've seen in Cavs history. Um, I, I think about Carlos Boozer and I think about Hot Rod <laughs> Williams. Uh, the, the Cavaliers have had all kinds of issues with forwards and, and big men uh, and restricted contracts. You know, in the Hot Rod case, it blew their, their payroll to the moon by re-signing him and waiting as long as they did. And obviously we remember Carlos Boozer. Uh, it was a really messy divorce um, in the early 2000s. So I'm with you. Yeah. I think you, you identify him. I think if you, if you look objectively at, at this team and you say, okay, look, what do we got? We, we've got Sexton, we've got Garland, we've got Allen. And I think that's your framework of young talent that I think then you start to kind of build the edges from those guys. I mean, and I think almost anybody else on the roster, you know, when we get to talking about the trade deadline and things like that later, we can get into it more. But um, I, I think you'd be honest with yourself and say, maybe those are the only untouchables you have on the yeah. roster. And then the rest, you know, um, you kind of see how things go. Evan, let's dive into Kevin Love. Before we kind of talk about what we're hoping to see from him when he gets back and when, why don't you tell the listeners or the viewers if they're watching a WKYC where things stand with Kevin and, you know, why his absence has been extended? It's the Cavaliers are an organization who err on the side of caution when their players are injured first and foremost. And Achilles injuries and calf injuries are tricky. I mean, the best example of this is Kevin Durant in the NBA Finals. The He rushed back with Golden State and he ruptured his Achilles and he was out most of he was he he if he was able to play Brooklyn was actually playing for something I think he might have maybe played a little bit last year but he isn't playing until this year and obviously Kevin Durant's still the play, same player and Kevin Love and Kevin Durant aren't the same player but you need to err on the side of caution with these injuries especially a calf and Achilles injuries and you want to make sure that this player is 100% healthy and also I think it's an added benefit of the fact that the young guys are getting more time to gel with each other too that the Cavs aren't really rushing Kevin back and um that's just kind of where the organization stands. Like I know he had a f- eight week window, I want to say, and we're well past that eight week window on his eventual return, but I could see him returning possibly after the Philadelphia game this weekend. And maybe at some point before the first half of the season wraps up, but I also could see him not coming back till after the all-star break and the Cavs just really, really, really make sure that he is fully healthy and able to play. Do you know, or Dave, what do you think about Kevin? What do you think about him? I'm trying to you know keep things professional here on the on the on the partner network. I was looking. I had uh, I clicked open Twitter and I saw that Kevin Porter Jr. is going to be with the Rockets uh, when that and then my brain just like snapped for about half a second there. But when you think about Kevin, he's past thirty, a lot of money left on the contract. Obviously, has not the post twenty eighteen has not exactly been friendly to him in a lot of ways. But he seems to me from the outside and we haven't heard from him in the whole time he's been injured. Um, and you're about at the point where like, if, if there was a larger media core, you could be like, Hey, like you're supposed to give access to injured players every once in a while. Like, can we hear from Kevin? But we're not going to do that. Uh, Kevin is, I think could be really helpful. I think Jared Allen should in particular be a really good fit for him because he's going to cover up a lot of the defensive stuff that even Drummond wasn't necessarily going to do. But Kevin's what, 30, 31, 32, had, had a bunch of injuries. 
There, there's reason to be Engaged concerned. To a supermodel, life's he, he's, okay for him. Kevin's right now. actual life is like pretty great. Extremely rich. Yeah. Mental health is is you know he's doing a lot of good work with mental health. Basketball wise, what, what do you what are you expecting from Kevin basketball wise? I mean, do you have high expectations, low expectations? Like, where are you at here? Yeah, let's think about this because it, if you look at it. Over the last, and, and, and keep in mind, COVID had something to do with this, but he's played like the last two plus years, he's played a total of 60 games. I mean, so all of this year, going back to last year, and I think even part of uh, 2018, 2019. So, I mean, we, we just haven't seen a lot of Kevin consistently since the NBA Finals. I hate to say that, you know, but Kevin. towards the end of that, that first year back. But other than that, um, when LeBron was gone, I mean, we've just seen him hurt and, and it, it's not his fault. He's frustrated. He'd like to be back. He'd like to be playing. Um, but I don't know at this point, other than his ability to, to stretch the floor and, and shoot threes. And I mean, I think we all can agree uh, three point shooting is something the Cavaliers would like to have more of that. That's been, I think, well-documented in this last month or so. Um, and you have, you know, his ability to get rebounds and get himself into, into the right positions on the floor that beyond all that, you know, you, I, I don't know how much gas he's got left in the proverbial tank. I think the, the calf injury aggravation that he had about a week or so ago was unfortunate because, you know, part of it, I think the Cavs would have loved to have gotten him back on the floor. And if he was able to show something you know, between now and the deadline, and they may still get that chance, but it gives teams who, you know, may have assets to to trade, um, it may give teams say, well, you know, we could use, you know, a guy like Love, a veteran like Love, who can do the things I mentioned, and we've got some contracts we'd like to offload, let's go make a trade. Um, the more time that Kevin's on the bench with this injury, the less possibility, at least this year, this season, before we get to the off season, that will happen. Evan, do you, Dave? Do you think um, possibly the Cavs could be like they're they're cognizant of this? I'm sure, and they they know better than all of us what Kevin Love's recovery path is. But do you think they're cognizant of that and the fact that he's making so much money this season that maybe they use the second half of the year? Because I know the Cavs think they are a playoff team, but realistically they probably aren't. Maybe they just use holy a healthy Kevin Love to showcase that. And with one less year on that contract and, you know, maybe not a COVID littered world where things are a little bit more stable. Do you think that's what the play is for the Cavs now is just to figure out what his market value is by using the second half of the season and then maybe try and kick a trade in the off season. Yeah. Because like I said, I, I think it's going to be tough to do it uh, between now and the deadline. So Evan, I think to your point, yeah. Um, you know, if you can get him back March, April, you know, and I'm with you, I, I just, I had hope, I, you know, and, and crazy, the NBA is crazy. You never know. But at, to this point, yeah. Do I think the Cavs are a playoff team? Probably not. So yeah, I think it would be nice to have him back with the young players as kind of their leader. And, uh, I think for all of us to get an idea what, what he's got left and what his market value is going forward. Um, you know, I always thought I was always surprised that the Cavs gave him that long-term contract. And I think some of it was loyalty, but some of it was also, they did think that down the road, it might be easier to offload the deal. Um, 
he is, I, I think, what you want in a role model and everything that I think Chris said, he's, you know, uh, as a mental health advocate, a, as a leader, he's somebody you, you love to be able to rally around. It, but is he a guy that's going to be um, a pivotal player as the Cavs hope to, you know, rebuild and bounce back and become a playoff team? Mm, that That's highly debatable. Here's the only thing I will add as we wrote up here. I think if you're trading Kevin, whether it's this season or in the offseason, I think you need to be very careful about what you're willing to take back. Because I think you're at a point Mm -hmm. where knowing how the Cavs think about things and knowing how they're eager to be more competitive, and I think that's that's all very reasonable in, in certain aspects. If you trade Kevin just to move on from stuff and take back shorter term money that doesn't quite work quite as well for what you're doing, and you don't know how these guys are going to contribute, I think that's... That could be a downside. Now, I don't think you're going to, like, you shouldn't take back, like, big center money, anything like that. You have to be, I think, very careful about how you're matching this money to make it come in and work. Because I think at the very least, if Kevin can be healthy or you don't play him on back-to-backs or whatever, and he can contribute, there can be this weird little balance between him as a spacer, as a shooter, as a passer, and an offensive player where Jared Allen covers him on defense. And then he also can provide a structure around Sexton, around Okoro, um, around Jared Allen. And let's just say they, they're going to probably have a high pick next year. Let's say they get Cade Cunningham, um, Evan Mobley, any of these really highly talented young, Jalen Green, Jonathan Kuminga, Jalen Suggs, whomever you get there. Kevin Love is a guy that can make their lives as they enter the NBA easier and can maybe help you be better with those guys sooner. And again, like that is not a fully reason you keep him if you get a good contract. And I, I think maybe Kevin would also probably like to play more competitive basketball than is likely going to be offered to him in Cleveland the next couple of years. But there's a way that this marriage, I think, can work if it's handled correctly. And look, from all accounts, Kevin is also seemingly in a better place with the team than he was when, you know, he reported the other Kobe Altman that he's really rich and that Kobe should just find him, right? Like, it seems like JB and him are in a much better place than him and John Beeline were for one, which I think is a big no part question. of this. No question. And he seems just like, he just seems more engaged on the sideline as a team and in a way that I don't know if he was in 2018. And I also think to be fair to him, to JR, to Channing Fry, to all those guys that were around after the, the finals runs. And then were here when the team just started sucking and Ty got fired. That can't have been an easy thing to just like stomach when the organizational thing that they said was, Hey, we're going to try and like compete for the playoffs still. And then like, and obviously I think anyone with a brain knew that might not have worked, but when they were told that, and then they were just like, okay, we're going to like go through all this other stuff. And it's taken two years to even now get competitive again and feisty again. That can't have been an easy thing to deal with. If you'd played four consecutive finals, had won a title that there's just something there that we've, that I think is worth just saying like that emotionally. And like, as a competitor, that's got to feel weird. Um, Evan, oh. go ahead. Um, yeah, go ahead, Evan. No, no, go ahead. Yeah. No, no, go ahead, Dino. I want to hear your thoughts. I think in, in Kevin's mind, uh, I don't know this for sure, but I, I always thought that there was the expectation that if LeBron was not going to stay longer than what ended up being four years, that at some point that torch was going to be passed to Kyrie Irving with Kevin kind of as his wingman and it would be their Mm. team you know and lebron going elsewhere and i think the start that divorce between Kyrie and the Cavs, i think that that was a kind of the the first peg in that for kevin it's like okay he's gone then you point out chris i think right so i mean you know james jones retires channing fry richard jefferson jr 
Shumper. I mean, all those guys he was close with on the team. And in the course of about a year, year and a half, in addition to LeBron, they're all gone. And then, and then Tristan and, leaves this summer. And it's just, it's him and Delhi. And Delhi hasn't played a single game because of his concussion. Yeah. It's much different. It's a much different scenario for him now than it's been. Evan, um, we're going to head in the break here. I think what Dave just said actually will segue us very neatly into Kobe Altman, which we're going to talk about after the break because Kobe obviously was very involved in everything since 2018. But Evan, we have a sponsor. Why don't you tell everyone about it? Yeah, if you're interested in betting on where Kevin Love may end up, I don't know if it's a prop or if it's even a line, but you can check it out with our friends at betonline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV like my favorite, Bachelor in Paradise. (laughs) They have real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to their website or use your mobile device and sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus using the promo code LOCKEDON with your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts and the exclusive betting partner of the Locked On Podcast Network. I also want to tell everyone about the Locked On Today podcast. We're covering everything you need to know about the Cleveland Cavaliers, but what about the rest of sports? Now, the Locked On Podcast Network has you covered there as well with Locked On Today. It's hosted by the great Peter Bukowski, and it's all the sports news you need every morning in under 20 minutes. Subscribe to the Locked On Today podcast wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Evan Damrell with me, Chris Manning here with uh, with Dave from WKYC. Guys, Kobe Altman. So, mm-hmm. His tenure, I think, is just a very weird thing to consider. Comes in in 2018, executes the Kyrie trade. That doesn't work out. He's the only guy to – he drafts Colin Sex and Darius Garland, um, executes the KPJ thing on, on both sides of things, takes Dylan Windler, is the person publicly sold as the one who said John Beeline is great. If you remember, and Dave and I talked about this when we started talking about having him on – the whole cell was that he Kobe Allen met John Bielan at, a, at my, I think Mike Gandy's wedding. And he came to believe he was a basketball genius. And this is how they sold it. And it was just an, an incredible car salesman thing to do. I get why you do it. It's just very funny in retrospect. He's the only, again, the only Cavs GM under Dan Gilbert to had to sign a second contract. That is crazy to think about considering some of the other GMs that they've employed, most notably David Griffin. I have a very hard time sussing out what to think of Kobe because it, it really hasn't been that long. It's been weird. He's he's slowly built the roster. He's done some things I think are really great. I, I think the Jared Allen thing, as we uh, talked about in the first segment, was, was a really great trade on his part. But I find him very interesting because, A, we haven't seen him spend in free agency, and that's usually a way you can peek into a, a front office person's mind and see how they think a team is doing. And number two, the most the longest we've ever heard I've ever heard him speak was in a Goldman Sachs video that is available on YouTube. That is the most insight I've seen to how he thinks. I don't actually know how he thinks about anything. I don't, I, and I find, and again, like it is not his job to to speak to us all the time, but even someone like John Dorsey, who doesn't, didn't speak to media a lot or Sasha Brown, you sort of have a very clear understanding about how they think about things, what their process are sort of like, and how, what their approach is sort of going to be. Either one of you kind of take this from here before I get myself in trouble, but Kobe is, I think an enigma. I don't know what to make of his resume. I don't know like really how to evaluate him in a lot of ways. He just remains kind of a a mystery to me. Yeah. uh, Kobe really is a bit of an enigma and that's the best way to describe him. Um, 
I, I do have one counterpoint. He did spend one time in free agency, big time with the Kevin Love extension. Okay, but that, that, but, that but that Jedi doesn't. But that That's different than like going out in the free agency market and being like, okay, I've identified like X player, and like this is how I think we're how competitive we're. That is like different because Kevin had been around. There's differences to that. It's not like it's it's different than like. And like Dino said, it was a bit of a maybe a bit of a response to LeBron. It, it's different than like, too. hey, we're gonna get Earl Clark and and all this other stuff and try to make the Yates deed. And these are the God, pieces. I yeah, I mean, I'm just saying, like, but like, it's it's a little different than like going out and identifying people on other teams and signing them. Dave, what do you think of no, what do you think of Kobe? Think about this first. As far as free agency goes, I mean, we have to be. You know, this is this is hard for me as a lifelong Clevelander, but but I'm gonna say this: it is very difficult for the Cleveland Cavaliers to ever attract a free agent to come here because this isn't a big market town. And quite frankly, it's, you know, we may love the winter time and throw snowballs at each other, but a lot of athletes don't. They would prefer to be where it's warm. They would prefer Miami. They would prefer Los Angeles. They would prefer, uh, you know, the Phoenix, Dallas, whatever. Um, so you already have those things working against you in free agency. The, uh, the problem has been, of course, is that Kobe Altman, I'll give him this. He had to inherit a team that was so dreadfully over the salary cap paying luxury tax because the Cavs are trying to maintain a championship team. Uh, at some point, they're going to have cap room here going into this offseason but it's always going to be a challenge. I, I, you're, you know, your best opportunity to, to build a winner in Cleveland is through the draft, and you're, you're hoping mm-hmm. you, can, you can get uh, the once-in-a-lifetime LeBron draft or the once-in-a-lifetime, even like a Zion Williamson or a Luka draft, or you go out and you make trades, and you have to make big trades, and you have to make trades that you know teams aren't just going to give you a superstar. You have to find the right situation. So – the, all those things are difficult, um, but I, I, I'm with you on this point, Chris. If you think about what I mean, Danny Ferry's tenure as GM, okay, lukewarm at best. I mean, Chris Grant, I'll give you this: when the Cavs had, had to go into tankapalooza mode, and as he called it asset accumulation mode, Chris Grant did a great job acquiring draft picks. And having cap room that's available for David Griffin to come in as the next GM and build a championship off of. I don't know what Kobe Altman ever did to merit already getting a second contract uh, as you know a, a, the general manager of the Cavs. I, I, I've always been kind of really, really. Um, I, I want to give them the benefit of the doubt. This is only year three. Um, you know, people talk about. I always see like Okoro as a bust. I mean, he's a rookie. He yeah. he's also an outright like like his offense isn't good, but he's already like an outrageous defender. He's outrageous on the defensive yeah. end of the floor. Like, yeah, he's he's good. I I feel better about like Okoro than I do like the Jetty Osmond contract. Or oh, totally right, like totally. There, there's there Okoro, yeah. Or it's like, and it's like you know, he signed Larry Nance to like a very team friendly contract, like a very very team friendly contract yeah. that yeah. is is maybe the best bargain in the NBA. Like he deserves credit for stuff like that. But maybe, you know, it, it, it's maybe these were what we're saying. I think as we think about Kobe uh, Altman, you know, we, we, we look now as we get closer to March, March, April, May, and then the off season, June lottery draft. I mean, these next four or five months are going to be pretty significant for him. 
um, to, to figure out, okay, where do we go from here? This was the problem that Chris Grant had when he was the GM of the Cavs. You know, after the third year, you know, they ended up with, if you guys remember, they ended up with Anthony Bennett. They got the, they, they, mm-hmm. they got lucky ping pong ball in the hopper, had the first overall pick, took Anthony Bennett. He was a bust, didn't play well in that fourth year. That was Kyrie Irving's third year. And halfway through the season, Chris Grant was gone. And by the end of the year, Byron Scott was gone and they ended up, you know, rebuilding again. I just wonder at some point when the patience for Kobe Altman is going to run out um, as we head towards the end of year three into year four, understanding what he's had to work with injuries, LeBron leaving and COVID. But at the same point, I I think you're, you're hoping for more of what we saw in January when the Cavs were beating the Nets and everybody was having playoff fever and less of a nine or 10 game losing scale. See, it's interesting because you bring up Chris Grant and his asset accumulation. Like that was, a, like you said, a key thing for when, conveniently enough, the greatest player of all time, who happens to be from Northeast Ohio, decided to come back. And David Griffin now had the assets to go out and make moves to get a Kevin Love and then go and acquire Channing Fry eventually and just make these smart moves. I think Kobe's learned a lot from Griff, where Griff has surprised me a lot during his, or surprised me a lot during his tenure. Where he was able to make something out of nothing more often than not. Like I didn't see the Timothy Mozgov and the J.R. Smith and the Amon Shumpert acquisitions to work out the way they did. And they worked out great for the Cavs and, or him making the call that, uh, David Blatt wasn't the right decision to head coach and he needs to stick with Tyloo because Griff has a pulse of the locker room. I just think Kobe has some of that asset accumulation skills and I think he's also just kind of tearing down the pieces from that LeBron era where a lot of those players that played alongside LeBron and were key to the championship or got rewarded, whether it was JR or Shumpert or Tristan or even Kevin now who got rewarded again after the fact. But I think that's what we're kind of getting at here and then I don't know what the, he will do once he has the cap space because when Grant had the cap space, he signed Jared Jack and Earl Clark, and then David Griffin had to make moves to undo that when LeBron James came back. They lose Tyler Zell and a few draft picks, so you lose assets for silly mistakes like that. So I think the position Kobe Altman was put in was untenable. I think the right call, obviously, is just to extend David Griffin and for Dan Gilbert to swallow his pride a little bit and you know push his ego aside and realize this is the architect of a championship team, let him stick around. But I think he's learned enough from Griff to let me give him a little bit of the benefit of the doubt. But I think at this point, like you said, we these next four to five months are key for Kobe. I mean, let's put it this way. There's been four head coaches in his tenure with Ty Lue, Larry Drew, John Bayline, and now J.B. Bickerstaff. And I think you need Bickerstaff to be a hit, and so far he has been. And if not, like that's a huge red flag on your tenure as a GM and in your personnel decisions. And then you have to see how some of these draft picks pan out too. Like Colin Sexton clearly is a hit. Isaac Okoro defensively is a hit, but you need to see how he looks offensively. Darius Garland is starting to look like a sharp player, but we need more of a sample size. Kevin Porter Jr. didn't work out. Dylan Windler is looking better as of late, but injuries have kind of robbed what we can see and what we can't see from him as well. I think this draft and then maybe this free agency period, if they're able to extend Allen and get sex into a team friendly extension, I think those are the right steps, but this off season will really be a make or break season or moment for Kobe. And then if we have this conversation this time next year, like at least relative to this point next season, um, 
we'll have a better idea of who he is, but it's always just been an interesting thought exercise of mine. Like, what do we expect from Kobe Altman? And Chris and I talk about this a lot. Like, I want to give him a report card, but it's hard to really make key decisions when you, like, start to really break down some of the stuff because there's a lot of questionable moves, and then there's some, some a lot of smart moves sprinkled in in between. So it's just really hard to gauge where he's at on the spectrum. And like you said, I don't know what necessarily he's done to warrant an extension. Maybe it's just stability that the Cavs are looking for. But other than that, I don't know what else he's done besides maybe a few smart trades as of late. How much, let me ask you this hypothetical as we wrap up this Kobe Altman segment, he's absolutely had not optimal draft position to pick from picking eight, five and five. Um, and then you know, 23 and, and then paying to get and trading second round picks to get the 30th pick for KPJ is not ex- historically where you get your primo talent. There are obviously guys that they didn't take, I think, for fair reasons um, that you can go very easily find that. The, the, one of the things that is out there is like some of the like they just pick guys in part because they got like some of the stuff where like Sage Alexander did not want to play in Cleveland, for instance, then you get Sexton and they got along much better. They believed in Sexton, et cetera. How much would actually having a top two pick in a potential like if Kate is as good as hyped or Mobley is as good as hyped or if the guy they take can be that that guy that to me is how he extends the how like some of the pressure can get taken off if you can get that guy and then and that extends your life a little bit to build um but I I because I, I think as we talk as Dave pointed out in the first segment like I I think it's fair to wonder what if you have pieces now where does this go and I think you sort of like I th- that top pick would be a catalyst to get there if the other stuff that they say they are building culture, et cetera, are as real as they would like to say. But I, I don't know. I, I just feel like that's the way he can develop more runway. If not, like, is he is this just a continual cycle of kind of where you're at? Like, if you pick fifth again, like, does that are you going to be significantly better next year? I don't really know. I, yeah, that's the thing. You, you then you have to hope you have a deep draft or. You know, is there somebody you really, really would want um, that you'd be willing to to move up a few spots and try to get? And then you got to find a trade partner to do that. Um, so, sometimes it's, it's, it's the draft lottery. And I, you know, we could have a whole 30 minute podcast <laughs> on the merit like the rub of the draft lottery. Um, mm. But the, the unfortunate thing is you could be had the worst record in the NBA and do no better than have a, you know, the third overall pick. Um, it, it's just kind of the way the rules are. Um, the cats, you, you figure their, their lottery history. I mean, they, they got the first pick in 2011. That was Kyrie Irving. They got the first pick, what in 2014, that was, uh, or 2013. I think that was, uh, Bennett mm-hmm. and they had the Wiggins pick. Um, you, you just, sometimes you sit there and you go, how many times can you, strike it rich in the lottery. I, I don't know, but I almost feel like Chris just kind of as a long way to answer your question. You almost get the feeling like if this, if this franchise is going to get back to a point where it's relevant, where not only do you feel like they can make it to the playoffs, but you know, compete with some of the best teams in the East, they need to find that star that comes in the top of the draft and picking fifth or picking eighth, and you might get lucky, but more often than not, you probably won't. And it that ends up just kind of keeping you, I think, at a certain level for a certain period of time. And I think the other thing is, like, if you want to get to a place where you don't build that way and you're Indiana or Utah or Pickett or Portland, these things take time. And that's not going to this isn't going to be a four year pro. Like that will be a longer process. Like 
it will take some time to get there. And that will take leaps of faith in terms of a Colin Sexton contract, in terms of, you know, maybe a Darius Garland contract. Like there will be things that you go, I don't know about that a little bit. And like, like the Sexton money, I think is whatever it is. I think some people will be like, really? Like, are we sure it's, it's that much? And I think he's going to get paid and he's kind of earned it a lot of ways. And, but you are betting on future potential and there are going to be some risks that will fall on Kobe's shoulders one way or the other. Um, but that's, yeah. that's where we'll leave the Kobe album discussion there. Unless Evan has any final thoughts here. Uh, just my final thoughts always been my consistent thought. I think if like you, you're hypothetical, if the Cavs do get a top one or two pick and they take a Cade Cunningham or an Evan Mobley. Great aim, by the way. <laughs> I just want to make that clear again. But um, I think the Cavs have accumulated a lot of nice pieces, but they've yet to find the guy like Zion Williamson was their last crack at trying to get the guy when they had the worst record, the best odds of the best pick for the top pick in the league or in the draft, I should say. Um, and maybe this draft is that opportunity because Cade Cunningham and Evan Mobley have shown that potential. And if the Cavs are able to land a player like that, I think a lot of these nice pieces that they've accumulated start to make a lot more sense. If you have a guy that you can centralize and focus saying like, this is our star player and this is the found, this is the engine that'll make the entire vehicle or car move. And, uh, this, that was a really bad example, but either way, um, I think if the Cavs do get a top pick, I think it's easier to see what Kobe's trying to build. But if not, and he gets another single instead of a home run or even a double or a triple, it it's just a lot more patience and just a lot more of the Cavs putting together a very nice team that is in wait for a player that can push them over the edge. Just moving pieces around the chessboard. So to speak. Okay, we're going to take one more break here. But first, I want to tell you about Fridays on the Locked On NBA podcast. Tomorrow on Locked On NBA, join Anthony Irwin of Locked On Lakers and Adam Mates of Locked On Nuggets for a wrap-up of the biggest stories around the league. Anthony and Adam bring you game recaps, weekend previews, and a weekly NBA power ranking you can't miss. Subscribe to the Locked On NBA podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Probably where you're listening to Locked On Cavs right now, unless you're watching a video form on WKYC, which means you should go to your, your iPhone, open up the podcast app, go to Spotify, subscribe to Locked On NBA. Okay, last segment. Dave, I'm gonna we're going to seed the floor to you here for a second because we've talked so much about Andre Drummond. Our Andre Drummond opinions have been carved into stone, and 2,000 years after we are gone, they will be like, these are what these two doofuses on the internet had to say about Andre Drummond. What do you think about Andre Drummond? What do you think about how his situation has, where it's gotten to, and do you, do you expect a return? Like, if you were imagining the Cavs are going to trade to be able to actually trade him, are you expecting a return that is at least interesting to you? Uh, okay. Well, that's a good questions. Number one, I, I, I can't believe I got, I, I, I sit there and I go, I can't believe I bought in. I was, I was one of those when the Cavs made the trade last year, I was like, wow, Drummond. Cool. This is great. You know, a guy that is a legitimate professional rebounder. Um, but understanding, you know, you, you, you hear things from Detroit and, and, you know, attitude and things like that. No, no, no problem. He's going to come here. It'll be fresh. It'll be clean. It'll be great. And, you know, when he's on, he, I don't know if there's a better player at his position in the league, but, um, too often he was off, especially kind of this has started that losing skid. And it just became obvious that he was not engaged and, the Cavaliers are trying to build something as we talked about earlier in the show. And it, it comes down to either you're with us or you're not. And if you're not with us, you're not going to um, provide a, an influence in the locker room that we think would be uh, the wrong message to young players. So, you know, I actually, I, I think the Cavs have kind of handled this properly 
Do I think they're going to get a lot in return or really much of anything in return? No. Um, do I think they may have to end up buying them out or something like that? Possibly. Yeah. But um, I, I think a divorce sooner rather than later would be a good thing. Yeah. So Evan, Chris Fedorfcleveland.com reported that there are eight to 10 teams that are interested in Drummond. I think that number mm-hmm. in a vacuum makes sense when you think about it being like there are there eight to 10 teams that could be interested in Drummond. Yes. I can name at least a couple that are said that have told the Cavs like, Hey, we're at least interested. That yeah. said, I don't know if there are eight to 10 teams that can put together a reasonable trade package that gets you to 23 million in outgoing salary and they're willing to provide picks. And potentially, if, if it's bad salary that you'd be sending out, greasing the Cavs' wheels to make it work. This is where I think it falls apart. Like the port, the, the, the Toronto thing, because to me, just makes less and less sense the, the better Norm Powell plays. Like, I, I mean, like Dallas is like its own thing, but like, is that their move to help Luca? Like, I don't, I don't know if that's really the move they should be making. The more and more I think about it, it's just, it becomes very tricky, even if there are teams that I'm sure are like, yes, Andre Drummond could be useful. I mean, I, I just don't know where yeah. else we go from. You and I have said this so many times. It's just like, I just, I sort of think it would just be better for everyone if it, it as Dave said, like, let's just get it over with and, and figure it out and move on. Uh, divorces are messy. Divorces are ugly. I personally am not married, so I don't know what that's like. And I hope I don't have to fight out, but I just know that they are messy and ugly. But, um, knocked on wood for you, buddy. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate it. But, um, <laughs> ditto for Chris, the yeah. married man here, but, um, and you as well, Dino. But, just to put it this way, yeah, it'd be best for the Cavs about Andre Drummond, I think, because it becomes murkier and murkier because of that $28.7 million price tag. Andre Drummond's a good player. I think Chris and I both agree if you can get him to buy into your system, um, he's a good player to have. I think Toronto and Dallas make a lot of sense because those are two established coaches with established players that can kind of put Drummond in his place and say, okay, you're the third or fourth banana here. You are, this is what you're going to do. We expect you to rebound. We expect you to play defense. You can sometimes be a rip that he they're starting to share down they're prioritizing the future over now and like i said it takes two to tango and drummond didn't want to dance so they found a new dance partner in jared allen and a better dance partner in jared allen clearly when you look at how the Cavs play with jared allen on the floor versus jared allen off the floor and onto drummond on the floor um and just like yeah chris like you said toronto makes sense but it becomes murky with norman powell playing better uh dallas makes sense but Nick Angstead of the Locked On Podcast Network will kill me if I give another hypothetical. You, you were you were booted from our group DM because of the amount of drum and trolling. It was incredible. <laughs> Every time a team lost, I'm like, "Hey, you know what would really help you out?" And I just posted an Andre Drummond gif. But <laughs> yeah, there you go. And it, it was for teams, but it, except the Miami Heat, I told them like, "Listen, you have Bam Adebayo. I think you guys are okay." But yeah, I think teams, yeah, like eight to 10 teams are interested. I know like the Charlotte Hornets have had interest. I know the New York Knicks have had interest. I know the Toronto Raptors have had interest, but I think there's more teams that are willing to line up for Andre after he's bought out by the Cavs. And then at that point, I don't think the Cavs are going to make this too messy. They're just going to make this divorce as clean as possible. They don't want to poo-poo things with uh, Drummond's agent, who's one of the more prolific agents in the league. Kevin Jeff Schwartz, also Kevin Love's agent. Yeah. Yeah. Also Kevin Love's agent. Mm -hmm. So I think they'll just buy him out, let him sign to the contender, and he can try and maximize his potential earnings this offseason. But just kind of getting this over with and ripping the Band-Aid off would be the best thing because I don't want to break the heart of Cleveland fans by saying this. I don't think the Cavs are going to get much of, if anything, for Andre Drummond if they do trade him. At best, it'd be a second-round pick. And essentially, at that point, the Cavs traded nothing, and then they're trading out nothing again to get Andre Drummond, and then they're trading nothing again to get a second-round pick. So it's just kind of like a circle 
because they essentially gave up a second round pick for Drummond to begin with. So it was a worthy swing. It was a swing and a miss. They went out and got Jared Allen, who wasn't available at the time, and it just makes it easier to move on. And like Dino said, it just makes more sense to have a cleaner divorce now instead of later. All right, wrap it up and on this. Gonna, you go ahead. Go ahead. Kobe Altman uh, for, for, you know, when, when this happens, you know, whether it's by trade or whether it's by buyout, um, uh, you know, if, if we sit there, we have to, you know, some down, somewhere down the line have to discuss the merits of Kobe Altman as whether or not the Cavs will keep him as GM. This will not be one of the things that I think should be held against him. You know, no, this you, was just a gamble and it didn't work. You try to win and you're getting a, an all-star caliber player and it didn't work out. Yep. Yeah. I mean, it yeah, I, I think it's very funny, again, that he said we're going to have 48 minutes of elite center play, and I'm not going to apologize for that because it immediately just didn't happen because Drummond stopped trying very hard. But this, this is where I just think ultimately this gets tricky for, for him and for him negotiating with other, other teams and trying to get value out of this. Andre Drummond is very well paid. He's never he's also always been featured as the number one or the 1A guy in Detroit and then Cleveland. And Cleveland emphasized him almost more than anyone else ever had. The best role for him is probably almost certainly not that. And any team that trades for him is probably going to be wanting him to play a slightly smaller role in the context of what they are doing, unless someone bites. And then maybe that's part of the reason why you don't trade him right away because you're trying to maybe get that one team who has an injury go at the wrong time or whatever bite and then give you a little bit more. That's probably part of the calculus there. I, I would sort of think if that was me, that's how I would think about it to some extent. I just I think that's where like the value that you maybe are hoping to get, and it's probably the case for the Pistons last year too. It's probably why you got him for a second round pick and two guys who are out of the league now. I, I think ultimately like that's just where this depresses that trade market. Um, and I think I think for Drummond, if I was him, I would. And I've talked about this with some people in the league. Like take the buyout, go play for Brooklyn, prove that you can contribute to winning basketball, and then go get the most money you can next summer. That is probably the cleanest way for him to kind of rehabilitate because like i know like Dray like draymond defended him lebron shipped in as well the re the, the reason that andre drummond's value is so low is not because and the reason that like it's probably better for him that he's not playing right now is not on the caps like it is on him ultimately for basically not trying as hard when when they came in and like again like he's getting paid i can understand the feelings of of someone else coming in and playing center and you feeling weird about that but it's just it's unfortunate and but again i i don't it's it is what it is, and I think you you took a swing, and as you said, like it's a market where you don't get a lot of free agents, and so if you can get a guy who's made all star teams, and even if he's not the best player, I, I get why you take the swing. You know, and the thing that that I, I always will remember is that you know when they when they first made the trade and got you know Jared Allen in here, and Drummond was starting, and they brought in Allen off the bench. I remember sitting there watching and seeing all the, all of a sudden now, because this was when Larry Nance was still healthy. You're sitting there going, man, the Cavs have a lot of depth now. I mean, they they really are like eight or nine deep. And I mean, I really thought that this idea of having, you know, not knowing you know the future, but at least for the rest of this year, having a starting center in Drummond and Jared Allen to be kind of the backup AKA, you know, maybe working alongside him. I thought that could work, especially with Kevin Love not, you know, being out there. But uh, boy, after those two Brooklyn games, guys, it just really was obvious that it wasn't going to work. And it's a, it's a, it's a shame. It could have, yeah. it, because it, it could have, it could have worked out well for everybody. Drummond could have, you know, played out the string here and still gotten paid eventually. But um, 
yeah, like you said, at some point, I, I, j- I just think it will happen and it'll happen cleanly and quietly and, and the Cavs can move on and Drummond can move on. Yeah, and uh, notably, the Cavs are posting up about three times less per game now with Drummond. Uh, he was since he's gone, he was doing eight post ups by himself, and the offense looks just looks different now. And now that they've had a little time, I think to properly process all of that post road trip, I think that is weird. But uh, Dave, as we're gonna get out of here now, why don't you tell everyone about what we what you kind of do over WKYC and uh, why, where they can kind of follow you online and whatnot. Oh, I appreciate that. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Dino Cleveland. I feel like this takes me back to my my old life doing uh, sports talk radio <laughs> here in town. Uh, but uh, you follow me on, on Twitter at Dino Cleveland. I'll, I still do sports takes and you know, things like that. Maybe not as much as when I was on the radio every day. But uh, you can go to WKYC.com. Um, I, I'll write a, a variety of sports news uh, entertainment, history stories, a little bit of everything. You know, we have breaking news. I write that as well. Um, I, it, we're kind of in a bit of a hiatus, but uh, during the course of Brown seasons and as the needs arise, I do uh, Donovan and Dino with Jim Donovan, the voice of the Browns, of course, Channel 3 Sports Anchor. And um, that's always a privilege to, to get to get his insights. So you can see me on Facebook Live and YouTube that way as well. And uh we look forward to, uh, to to seeing you guys and hopefully doing more of these types of shows with you down the line along the rest of our Channel 3 uh, sports team. And we're so pleased that this partnership has begun. Yeah, no, we are as well. Um, it's it's going to be fun. Again, find him at WKYC. Find him on Twitter. Evan, get us out of here. As always, folks, leave a five-star review on iTunes if you're listening to us on audio. If you're checking us out because of WKYC, welcome. Stick around. We do this five days a week and it's always a good time and we're anywhere you can find your podcast and audio format we try to do one video a week for wkyc but hopefully going to be doing more in the future do you know thank you again for joining us thank you everyone for listening chris and i'll be back on monday with more Cavs goodness probably talk about that sixers win or loss depending on who does and doesn't play and until next time go Cavs.